somebody I'd interviewed, we were discussing the subtle things that um, that uh, Stella has interjected and injected into this um, interview, uh, and she was. You began to talk about um, acceptance of, uh, of situations. Uh, the boundary. The boundaries. I, was, mm -hmm. I had been saying that the, about the, um, uh, in another interview where somebody had um, talked about going downtown with their mother and it was a blur. And it was just what you were saying. You just explained it. What the blur was. What the blur was. Mm -hmm. They quickly, uh, my mother did what she had to do and they went home. So then you didn't have to encounter. You didn't have to encounter restrooms and, and eating, which mean. And also <coughs> being uh, dis, uh, uh, disregarded. Yeah, you were disregarded. It's, it's amazing. It's like you were not there, or you were in a position that you were supposed to be in, and it was that was not important. What's the same way when way people treated children? Seen and not you, heard, sort of seen and not heard. Yes, yes. You were you had a you were in a position that you filled, and we knew you were there. It's just like. <laughs> Really, it's just like, you know, this table is going to be here in the center here because it's too heavy for you to move. Mm -hmm. and, you, and the use of this table will be here and no place else. And that's the way people were looked at. Their importance was uh, to... Uh, Jane or Mary came in every Monday to clean. She came on Tuesdays to babysit. She came on Wednesdays to iron, wash and iron. And she came on Thursdays, <coughs> pardon me, to help me uh, get the kids prepared for the weekend or for Friday. And Friday she came in to babysit. Saturday, um, she would be off, or she had to run one or two of the kids to the piano lesson or swimming lesson or library. And Sunday, she could be home with her family. So that's the only time you um, that they were important, unless they became attached, and a lot of families became attached to their workers and they, they liked them very much. Matter of fact, they loved them. They loved them like they were in the family. And that is why I believe today, and a lot of people never said that, but I, I believe that is why a lot of whites went to the forefront and was not afraid to express their feelings, how they felt about black people. And I think that came about the freedom. And of course, we knew that's what the fight, the North and the South, was about. But I think it's because people were dead. They they loved their help, and they treated. They found out 
with them working for them that they were as human as they were. And they were not um, a piece of an, uh, an animal that they needed. When you were, when you were eating uh, up on the 11th floor with the people that you were working with or the other <coughs> people, um, did you ever, we, you, you brought the word acceptance up, did you ever um, talk about um, this, you know, your situation? In any way, in the store, did, did you to uh, to the to other, each other to each other? Oh yes, oh yes. What there was conversation, but uh, there, like I said, there was always classes in people in races. Go ahead. And in the classes of people, there sometimes you would not. Um, discuss some of the better things that had happened to you or what you were contemplating to happen for you that would be better or an upgrade on your job or did a promotion. Not. No, because uh, you were also told not to uh, more or less until we do this. Mm -hmm. I shall never forget when River Rose was built. And they were going to send me out there to do displays. And Crossroads? River. Oh, roads River Roads. In Jennings. In Jennings. Thank you. And they had just built that area, the whole area out there. There wasn't as many homes out there either. There was still building. Mm -hmm. And I remember Mr. Dawson talking to me about going out there. It was like being prepared or pep talk or, and how to accept what might be said of the workers or the employees. Um, what might be said by other employees or customers? Or said to me. Yes, but by... By whom? The other employees? Or the, uh, the employees, white employees, white employees, and the white customers. And what did he say? What kinds of things did he tell uh, How did I feel about going out there? And of course, you know, you're being, <coughs> pardon me, you're being sent out there because, in, in these words, not, I can't quote him, but remembering what he meant was, will you be able to stay, be, remain there regardless of what will be said if there will be unpleasant remarks made? And we know you're being sent because we feel that you can handle whatever situation may arise. If you feel that you cannot, uh, be sure and let Ray know, which was my uh, manager of the display department. Let him know before you took the job? Or? Before I would do anything oh. um, that I couldn't handle or something would come up that I couldn't handle. That was a pretty nice way of... Mm -hmm. So did you go? 
Yes, I went. Oh, you yes, yes, I worked there a long time. Um, did anything ever come up? No, no, things were nice. Uh, I had no problems. I want to ask you one question. If you all had been equal jobs, equal pay, in the same grouping as far as your occupation at the store when you would eat together, might you have complained <laughs> or had more a different conversation than you would since you were in different status? I guess I'm trying to get to the acceptance of what was happening, which is what, what we started. Or, or you mean between the white workers and the black no, workers? No, between the blacks and the, the blacks. The black workers? Repeat that for me. Well, I suppose I, I'm, I mean, here were you, you all were a minority in the store um, and a very few kinds of jobs, and yet you're put in this, with the highest and the lowest, so to speak, you're all eating in the same place because you are <laughs> segregated. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I, I suppose this was a way of life, but um, that would have been some kind of topic for conversation. But because you were a status change, difference in, in your jobs, I was just wondering what the conversation, if, it's, if you ever discussed um, store, the, what was going on in the store. And, and oh yes, that, that, kind that of was conversation, yes. Because um, you know, when people come together, department, they always bring um, news, mm -hmm. always news carriers. I guess there'll always be communications. But uh, people, yes, they, they did talk about what was going on in the area, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and then sometime it was, um, There were other things they talked about. There was, um, um, I guess you'd call it um, couples, uh, people meeting one another. There were uh, singles courting, and and they were, would talk about what happened at another social someplace else. Uh, people were proud. They talked about their children what they were accomplishing, um, purchases they were going to make, or if there were sales in the store. to get dinner. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just wondered how, how your time was. Uh, tell me about, the. had the counter on the first floor been integrated at Sticks downtown by the time you got there? Oh, no, no. 
No, um, if you recall, the dumb waiter was coming up for the workers, and that was before they had even put counters in sticks and in famous and in no, the diners. I don't mean for blacks. I mean the the first floor counter for 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 everyone for whites and and then core was a Congress on racial equality. Those people picketed and had sit downs and sit ins rather not picketed. Um, sit ins or whatever. Yeah. To to integrate that counter on the first floor. I don't was, remember that there. I so, really don't. I remember, if I'm not mistaken. That was integrated then before you came. No. Well, you can't. It was. It was integrated before '58. <laughs> okay, you tell me. You oh tell no! Me. Oh no! Nothing was integrated. Well, they say it was. Go ahead. You tell me. You tell me what you remember. Because maybe it was, maybe it was the beginning of 58 and the end of 58. You came in the... It could have been, but yeah. I, I, I worked down in 56. Oh, you were there in 56. Oh, right. See, I was there Tell in 56, me. Tell me what you and I went in there regularly in 58. Okay. And they were not all eating at the counter. Good, good. I worked there. Do you remember? Do you remember? When it was integrated? No, you know, it doesn't have to be when. Do you, just, do you remember... Anything about that? No, I don't. I'd, I'd have to have you to talk with some of the people who worked at the fountain, who worked in that department, because they had a group that also worked in the back, who prepared sandwiches and who made moths and made the coffee, who cleaned up behind the counter. Um, it was a long while before blacks even waited on, worked mm -hmm. at the, served you at the counter, I'll say it like that. Mm -hmm. You mean, you think you could find somebody who Oh yeah, I know two of the girls, or three of the girls who were, who worked at the fountain. And we're talking about that counter down there, that on the first floor. Yeah, that. If you could find somebody that marble that counter, that gorgeous gray like counter that had the stools. If you could find somebody who was working at that time, um, that there were sit-downs or sit-ins. I don't remember that. Well, they, they came and sat until they were served and from what I understand, it was about 18 months. Could have, but I don't remember it. I really don't. I, I and I, I'm not blocking anything out. I just don't recall that. It's. I remember. Isn't that now? This is what I remember. I remember sit-ins in the South because I guess we saw this in the paper and on TV and made a very strong picture in my mind, but I don't recall, I do remember, and perhaps it was, but I'm sure it was, but I remember Howard Johnson, which was in my neighborhood, 
practically in my neighborhood. What do you remember about Howard Johnson? How the blacks went in Howard Johnson and sat. How the police had to they chained themselves to the door and had and the police had to come and remove them. I remember it happening at uh, was it the Cleet Gas or Union Electric? It was Cleet Glass or the Cleet Gas or Union Electric. They also chained themselves to the door. Some banks, Jefferson Bank was one that was targeted. I remember that because that was in our neighborhood. And the reason that these places were chosen was because some of them were in the black neighborhood and they cannot, could not understand why we could not be employed there if we spent our money there. That was the, because um, that was what uh, the bus setting was all about, Martin Luther King. If we can patronize you, we can sit where we want. If we can patronize you, you can hire us. Your husband was a fireman? Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, my husband was the only assistant fire chief, black fire chief in the city of St. Louis. When he retired, he retired from that position. He was the only assistant Black assistant. So he was the first one. Mm -hmm. And has so far been the only one. Have they ever had a black fire chief? No. And that was the next position in which he was held up in court for two years, which caused him not to be able to stay long enough to be tested for the position. He had to be. Uh, he had to retire because of the age limit of 60. So he had, tell in me, other words, the court, the court held him up. Why would the court hold him up? The court held him up because they were fighting. Um, it had to go to court, and it took the court two years to bring it to trial to court. Well, I don't know. Okay. Well, in other words, I don't like to say that, but this is what happened. He was, had continued to get promoted, and he was always the first black to have had that opportunity when they would promote the blacks, give them that opportunity mm -hmm. in the St. Louis Fire Department. So there was a time, time in there, which took two years before the case could be heard. What case? For the promotions. At the very beginning, as high as the, uh, the blacks had gone in the fire department was captain. Mm -hmm. And they wanted equal employment. They? The firemen. Was it a union? Yeah, they, there was a union. I mean, did they do it through the unions? Or the unions would not even let them be members. Oh. So, so they had no membership so in the union. Who went to court? Was it a single case, your husband, or was it a group of people? The group. The blacks wanted 
to get promotions and which the union did not want them to have. Okay. So when they went to court, it took two years before the judge could get around to hear the case. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. And he felt he was held up, but he always was acting in a position in which they did not promote him into in the black area, black areas, firehouses. They even had black firehouses. So he was at a segregated firehouse? Right. Well, who was his chief? A white man. In a black? Yes. They had white officers. It's really disgusting. <laughs> well, that's right. That's why I say um, blacks learned to live with here. It was, if it was from here to here, we learned to live in that area. Stella, you made a comment over the phone to me. I thought I brought it and I didn't. But what you said was that you didn't know how bad things were. You didn't know how really bad things were. But you had fun in spite of it. Does this sound familiar? And that mm -hmm. you found your strengths and you learned how to use them and you use them. And I I keep wondering because um, how bad was it? Um, I'm thinking in terms of where people lived. Um, I, I've interviewed people that lived in the um, area that was not downtown, but it's what they called Mill Creek when they tore it down, the mm -hmm. market area, um, Market Street area across from the station. Um, and people paint a picture of a warm, family life. Uh, other people say, how could they be uh, whites? How could that be? There were rats, there were outdoor plumbing, there were, you know, but they paint this picture. Um, and, uh, and it was one of dignity, and it mm -hmm. was one of good parenting, and it was one of uh, not to be a victim. There was families helping families. There were people, like I said, that worked for families who were influential in the city, white families. And that did for blacks what TV does for many people who are poor. You see something that other people have, and you decide you'd like to have that too. You'd like to live that way. So you go after it, and that's the way some of the blacks were. They worked for whites at that time. That um, they called it um, uh, worked out in uh, family service, and they s learned an awful lot. I don't know if anyone ever told you about 
the Butland Chauffeurs Club. You ever heard of that? Mm -hmm. And they were, of course, you know who they were. Mm -hmm. Well, look at the knowledge that they had. Yeah. So they could bring that home to whom? Their families. And they were more or less families they were looked up to because they did things different from people who did not have the knowledge of how to um, have adequates. Um, you take a woman who worked and served parties. You think she didn't have class when she came back into the neighborhood? Because you, as the old saying is, you practice what you preach. <laughs> so whatever you, uh, how, whatever influence your job had on you, that's where you lived when you came home. And I'll tell you another person that was admired, uh, at least we heard about them, was people who lived on the place. You ever heard of that? Those were people when they would come down and visit their friends. Uh, we've, we've even seen men who dro drove their um, employer's car that he kept clean and looking good and polished. Um. I came at the end of, I guess my rearing came at the end of an era that was ending. So I got a chance to see some of what I've heard my relatives speak about. But the, when the Depression was coming, but before that... See, by me born, uh, being born in 28, uh -huh. <clears throat> I mean, when the war was going on, I was around early teenage, 13, 14, 15. Mm -hmm. and, uh, after the war, a lot of things changed. Yes. A lot of things. But below that, say 12, uh, 12 years down, it was, you lived different. It was a different time. What did your father do? My father was um, a chauffeur, and he chauffeured for, early part of my life, he chauffeured for a uh, black funeral owner, and he chauffeured for some white funeral homes. He did private chauffeuring, and then at the very end, just before the war was over, he was driving for Calypso Coal Company. Calypso? Calypso. Calypso. That's, that's what the old man's name was. I don't know how that was spelled. I'll ask my sister. But anyway, he used to, um, and this company had a contract with Peebly Milk, an ice cream on Grand and Shoto. And he used to go over to the mines in Illinois and bring truckloads of coal over. Because that's, that's the way they ran the factory at that time, it was through steam that Cole created. So you felt he had a prestigious kind of job? I don't know. being a chauffeur? I guess so. I guess that was popular then. Uh -huh. Did your mom work? 
She did day work. Mm-hmm. She was a housewife. She worked. In between having babies. Yes, yeah, she worked. <laughs> How many were there in your family? I have nine sisters and four brothers. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you fit in? I'm number one. You're the oldest. What was that like? Hell. But then I didn't realize it was hell. <laughs> <laughs> Who told you that? <laughs> told you I just that? come to know it was. <laughs> because of that, I lost two years. I was two years behind my class in school. Because in those days when women went to have babies, they kept them longer. Today, I think you have a baby in your home eight, the next eight hours, which we, we look at now, we can't quite understand it. But um, I remember when my mother had her last child, I believe it had gotten down to four days or five days, but it started out like two weeks. So you stayed home and took care of? Until mom came home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they didn't have throwaway diapers at that time, so when she had them every two years, um, the kids had not been potty trained. They didn't believe in forcing them as much then as they do now. Because I don't know if they do a lot of that now that they got throwaway diapers. Methodist. Mm-hmm. We had a, I don't, you know, like I said, there was different classes in, in our race. I, I, I would think it's in some other races too. Mm-hmm. Everybody. That's, where, That's where, did you, where did you see yourself spinning in? Oh, I'd say pretty much at the bottom. At the bottom? Oh, yeah. My parents were not educators. Were they educated? At all? Where, well, they could read and write. Mm-hmm. And that was it. In other words, I always think of educators as people who have finished college. But they didn't finish secondary school. So I always say people who have... So they made it with the eighth grade? They went to Sumner, like I said, mm. but they oh. did not graduate. Because... I guess various reasons. Yeah. You know, there's some conversations you overhear as a kid and some you don't. Yeah. But they both for proud people, but they, I always feel that um, educators have a way of moving toward better things. It's, it seems easier. 
um, it looks easier to you because people that we knew that um, take for instance the people who lived in the Ville in the West End were more educated which educators and where you could get a when lot you use of the word educators do you mean that they educated their children more or do you mean no, but no, of course it's not. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, those people were educators in the public school system. They were nurses, librarians within the black schools. They were um, butlers, waiters. There were some, quite a few of them were in um, private family. Post office. Post office, but not at that time. No. Not at what time? You mean the 40s? Or? Right. If you think back now, um, take the time back, count back when if a person has put in 30, 35 years, who are retired or who have retired in the last five 60s. years, it was not, yeah. was not then. I don't recall the year that they hired blacks at the post office. I really don't remember that. But that came late too. Railroads. Integration means that most jobs were integrated about the same time, during the time of the 60s. Men were on the railroad. I remember talking to a, a gentleman, let's see, I guess he's about 87, 88. Matter of fact, one lives next door to me who was an old railroad worker, retiree. And Mr. Miller said to me, not so long ago, we were talking. He said, you know, I have begun to get something. I don't know, he said this to me, but I think he was getting it long before that, because he's been retired a long, long, long time. That I could not buy any stock didn't know what they were talking about. But an old gentleman, white guy that I befriended, says, Miller, let me get this for you. And when you get it, you'll enjoy it. And he bought him some stock. And today that man gets... Hmm. This is dividends. So he didn't know about it until this man told him about it. He couldn't buy what? I mean, there was, you were not even buying insurance, but life insurance. You didn't know anything about other kinds of insurances. What did your parents give you to, what did they pass on to you, whether it be how to negotiate in that white world? Yes. How did 
they tell you to do that, or what do they? I don't think that we, no, I did not recall them sitting down and say this. I think you learned a lot of things on your feet as you moved through. But one of the things that um, the black families always taught their children is etiquettes and manners, respect for everything. You respected material things, you respect people and above all, yourself. And those are the, I think those, those three things could get you anywhere you want to go. Because you would, with those three things, it opens the door and you'd learn a lot. Because one of the things I always taught my children is when you approach someone say hello or excuse me and introduce yourself and I said you'd be surprised how the door opens and to me that's respect manners and adequates what did your father bring home from who he worked for as a chauffeur always something we look forward to the bag. He would always bring a bag home, and so did my mother. And we'd always meet her, or run and meet her at the car, uh, streetcar stop at the corner, and carry the bag. It was always a joy to run up the street and meet her. Yeah, yeah. Met every streetcar that she got off of. <laughs> one of them, and sure enough, there was always a bag. There was always would be uh, food of some kind and clothing, always. And my dad, by driving the coal truck from East Saint, from Illinois and coming through the areas, there would always be farmers this time of the year with roadside stands, mm -hmm. and you'd stop and purchase, and he would stop the coal truck and pick up sacks of um, Kroger sacks, you know, that's where they used to bag up things. It would what be a Kroger sack of corn or cabbage or onions or potatoes, and he'd bring a few carrots because we didn't like them at that time, but <laughs> we had to have them. So whatever he could get at a, at a bargain price, that's what he would bring home, and we would have plenty of that if we had to have cabbage every day or don't let them spoil, whatever. What did he bring home from the white family? Not, not in the sense of material things, but you were talking before about... Uh, Manners and class, mm -hmm. and well, that's... They would both bring home the same thing. One How of the did they pass it on, though? What what was it that they that, that you didn't know that they didn't already know that they were? Well, you know, they always they would always talk to you and tell you how you were supposed to react, uh, how you're supposed to treat people. But is that something they got from them, or is that something they were telling you because they knew that from their own life? 
as I got older, I felt it was something they had learned. It was passed to them from their parents of how to treat people. Because that's the, what your job consists of when you work in private family. You always, um, you would always use uh, courtesy. So those were the things that um, they both would bring home. Just another way of looking at things. Did your did your your parents? How did they happen to be coming to St. Louis? What was it? You said they were. Your family was from Missouri. Were your parents born here, or yes, they were both were born here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where? So they came from from. Missouri originally small towns. No, St. Louis. Oh, always St. Louis. Yes. Oh. Both parents. It was St. Louis, and, but. Um, Did you have grandparents here? Yes, both. One of the th well, you know, my grandmother, my dad's grandmother, was born in Chesterfield. Mm. Your dad's grandmother. Was born in my, I'm sorry. Yes, my dad's grandmother. And my grandmother were born in Chesterfield. Of course, you know yourself, it had to be all farm right. land at that time. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, mom's mother, my um, mom's grandmother was from Oklahoma, party Indian. So my grandmother looked quite, very much like an Indian. Um, what, you had how many children? Mm -hmm. I'm the mother of three, three. girls. Um, what do you think that you and your husband have tried to tell them um, that, or do with them that we all say, well, my parents did it this way, I'm going to do this, or my parents did it this way, and I'm going to do it the same way. Can you talk about that? that I don't know how to quite answer that, except we passed the same thing on to them, but we always spoke of education because by that time, because during the 60s, civil rights time, the emphasis was when you would employ, uh, go for employment, you could not uh, get this employment because you had no experience or you were not prepared. So education was the way to be prepared. And um, there were some, you know, in the South, because there were plenty of schools. I think the oldest black school out of the South is Howard University in uh, D.C. But the South always had schools because I believe they were set up, and that they were, I shouldn't say believe, they were set up and 
financed through white families in the South. So you had your separate institutions South, and there were uh, blacks who were educated and who were prepared, but many who went, uh, of course they wanted to go to other schools where there were advancements, uh, technology and what have you, and they could not enter other schools, so they did not have that, and there were always reasons why they were denied entrance to certain schools and certain jobs. So we knew education was a thing that was used, so we emphasized getting the amount that you need for whatever field you want to pursue. And that's what you were saying about your parents, that they had not done that for you. Exactly. And um, or, or your husband's parents. So. My father often said, each generation is supposed to do better than the one behind it. So he always, you know, he constantly repeated those words. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what we wish for. It doesn't happen always. But that's true. That's true. That's what we wish for. Right. And his parents, we can only do so much. Um, what would you like to talk about, maybe that I have not um, brought up because I don't know? I would like to talk about how influential The time was when Homer Phillips was built, the hospital. Mm -hmm. 39 or something? 38? So, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, tell me about that. That was a wonderful time. See, that was just before the war. And, um, <clears throat> pardon me. And I was an early teenager. And I remember when that opened, my mother got employed there. Her first professional job, and she was a nurse attendant. And when that hospital opened, it was wonderful for blacks because it was a big, brand new, pretty building. And they had had the city hospital, I think it was over on Pine or Chestnut, which was old dilapidated building. But anyway, the nurses, all the employees were, of course, college degree people. And for my mother to go there as a nurse attendant, it was, it was a beautiful thing to have happened to us because she had uh, put in so many hours to be taught, like to do the practical nurses, and she passed. And the day that she got dressed to go to that job, it was just wonderful in my home. 
because they had certain uniforms that they wore. And my mother was a pretty woman, very pretty woman, tall. She was about 5'9". And she had this light blue striped uniform on, which was long to the floor, and they wore a white apron. It was almost like, um, oh, let's see. It, it all, to me, as a kid, reminded me of the Dutch pictures I used to see. And it was like a pinafold, yes. the apron. And yet she had this white nurse cap on, too, and wore white Oxfords and white stockings. And she was so pretty. I and see you all standing around. Yes. <laughs> and my father, um, I don't remember what they called his work, but I remember what it consists of. There was a clay tennis court. And my mother and father used to go to work together because my dad had to be out there so very early to get this clay hardened and ready for the doctors and nurses who played tennis before they went to work or oh, in their day off. He worked at home with Phillips also. And they had this recreation area in the back of the hospital for the doctors and nurses or and the administrators mm. to play tennis. And he used to get a joy out of coming home and telling us how he had to do this ground. He used to have to wet it down good and he had a hand roller, because that's what the same type of roller they use in the streets at that time before they had the uh, machine rollers. And he used to have to roll this hand roller over this clay tennis court. And he enjoyed watching the professional people play tennis and he also was in charge of the grounds around there, you know, keeping the uh, yards cut, the, the lawns cut, and the flowers that they took care of. So he was like um, a lawn, I would, well, whatever they called it, nursery worker. Yeah. But he enjoyed that part of it because he says, as he did other work, he could see these people come and go. And the nurses and doctors came from the southern schools here to work, mm -hmm. and Howard University. All right. So you, they were very proud of their jobs? Absolutely. And you were very proud of them? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And I used to be proud of the stories my daddy would say of how proud he was and to see these young blacks have a place to come to work and do in professional work. It was like a like a city of its own. Yes, it was because they had laund they had their own laundry there. We had someone over the laundry and you had supervisors in certain areas and used to keep the uniforms because I think my mother had six uniforms at that time. Wow. Mm -hmm. They used to do my dad's uniforms because they did everybody's uniforms that worked at the hospital, if there was a uniform. Well, that really was a wonderful thing that she uh -huh. was chosen to work there. That was her only professional job that she had that I remember her having and how proud they were. Was she, was she able to be there a while? Yes, she was. 
and she worked between three of the children. I remember the birthing them. She, it was as we. <laughs> As we girls got older, we would laugh about Mama would go have a baby and then at the place where she worked. <laughs> it was wonderful. We enjoyed that. It yeah. was a, a lovely time of our life. Remember that. And then after that, it wasn't long before there was World War II. Your father was too old to go in. That's right. No, he wasn't too old. He had too many children. Too many children. <laughs> Exactly. I'm sorry, I, I stole your line. <laughs> exactly. That's the reason he did not go into service. And they used to laugh about that and talk about that many times. And I think there were eight of us at that time. Did you? Did the? Uh, did the war have an impact on your life? I don't think so. Did the depression? Well, did they consider between the time I was born and World War II the Depression? Well, the Depression, yeah, yeah, it got us out of the Depression. It was, a, it was waning, but... Those were happy years for me. As my friends and I, we saw, as my friends used to say, we were in a hole and didn't know it. When did you find out you were in a hole? After the war. And how did you find out you were in a hole? What was it? Well, we had we moved into a bigger and better house. Where did you move? Wore better clothes. We moved in a house two doors from us, which was occupied, had always been occupied by whites. So, your street show town? Yes, was, we moved out of three rooms street? into six rooms. Right. <laughs> Doubled. Today is November 1st, 1994, and uh, I am uh, doing a second interview with Stella Bowie. You moved into a house that was twice as big, and what were the circumstances that allowed you to make a move like that? What had happened financially? Financially, we had my father's mother and his brother that moved with us. And that was the reason we had more finance. We had always needed more room. Mm -hmm. um, there were not as many children either at that time. So that gave us an extra room to occupy. Moving out of three into six, so that gave us four. And his mother, my dad's mother, occupied uh, one of the rooms, my grandmother. And his brother occupied the other room. So we had graduated from three to four rooms uh, for usage for the family. And uh, can you describe uh, They the, the six rooms were above a garage in which uh, was for the, the whites that lived there owned uh, a truck and a car. 
So it was uh, a two-car garage underneath, and there was a door in which you could go through, of course, uh, without opening the large door of the garage. And then you had to go to the, uh, there were back stairs in the garage in which you were taken to get upstairs. Was, was there electricity? Was there electricity? Yes, yes. Was plumbing? And indoor plumbing. There was indoor Because you? the house uh, next door is with three rooms, which was a four-family flat, had outdoor plumbing. Now, where did you come from? You came from just a few doors down. The next door. Oh, the next door, okay. The so next building. what you had been used to was, was outdoor plumbing. In this particular building, we had had uh, inside... No, where you moved from. Where you moved from, your original house was outdoor plumbing? Yes. Okay, so you moved to indoor plumbing then? Yes. Okay. But before the outdoor plumbing, we had had indoor plumbing. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason we were in um, this three-room house uh, with outdoor plumbing was because of financial reasons. Moved from one other... Um, three-room house that had an indoor plumbing. This three-room house had was less rent. And after my grandmother and my uncle, I guess, struck a deal with my dad to move, if they took this house, that they would move in then there would be more finance. I don't remember, I was so small. Mm -hmm. But I do remember the transition. To the bigger house, how old were yes. you? Yes. Hmm. I guess between eight and ten. Oh, so so the uh, so the stories that you've told me about Homer G. Phillips and your mom it was in this house. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say three rooms, uh, that was three bedrooms or three rooms. Three rooms, a kitchen and two room, other rooms. And this one had four. Four. Kitchen. It had six rooms. Six rooms. I mean, okay. And so it had the kitchen. And you told me, but tell me again. It had a kitchen. I I don't remember if they were designated as living room, dining room. Uh -huh. Uh, den, breakfast room, and uh, I don't recall the rooms having names other than, uh, particularly the kitchen, um, and bedrooms, because that's what they were used as, and not a dining room. Right. Um, so, can you give me a number? Twenty three hundred block because it was, as I recall, uh, telling you before, it was across the street from the Mack truck. I remember this huge truck in the display window, a large, beautiful truck with a shiny. Um, it's it was steel, I'm sure the bulldog on top. Emlyn. Uh -huh. Yes. Um, 
and the big letter Mac on the grill and the big steel shiny grill of these big trucks. Do you remember what color it was? I believe they were red. The uh, cab of the trucks were red. They were huge trucks. We were used to looking at them, big trucks. In that same house, I remember, um, I don't remember if it was the president coming, but I remember, um, I guess you'd call them the vehicles in which the army used were, and I don't remember today where they were coming from and going to. They could have been coming from Jellison Barracks and going to um, Fort Leonardwood or I guess it was Fort Leonardwood, uh, the one that's in South Missouri, south of St. Louis. And I remember seeing all the Army equipment, uh, large machinery moving and it went out Shoto Avenue West from east to west and that's why I say perhaps coming from Jefferson Barracks or wherever. Today I don't remember but I I think it was before the war and, and it before World War II but I feel that uh, of course as I got older politicians knew what was coming because uh, we remember Pearl Harbor in 1940, and this was before 40, 1940. Did, did you have, this may seem like a really maybe difficult question, did you feel like you had a childhood? You, were, you said you were the oldest of... No, I don't feel like I had a childhood. Um, I remember a few things that happened uh, when I was young that was fun. And it was strange, you won't believe, but I, when we used to have the blackouts, and it was not serious, uh, they used to have, um, at, the, at this moment I don't recall the men, uh, the volunteers' names, but they used to, there were men that, when they would have the um, practice of the blackouts, uh, the men used to have flashlights and they would check and make sure people were off the street. And then uh, when the all clear would come, uh, my sisters and I would uh, be ready to race to the front of the, on the street and look up and down, see if there was anyone on the street. And we thought that was quite funny because everybody had to get off the street. We wanted to see how quickly everybody else would come back out. But um, I remember that so well. I guess because I was uh, living like people who have lived in wars or didn't have the electric lights on the streets like we had. We used to hear that other people did not live as well as we did, but still in all we didn't live, we didn't have the best of everything. So 
it was uh, interesting um, with the lights out. It was pitch black, and we were used to having light. So I don't know why that, uh, not really, I guess it wasn't a funny time, a fun time, but we, we did not really understand all of the, the whys because we didn't have to go and hide. We knew no one was after us. There was no danger. So maybe that was the reason. I think so. Um, but back to...